0: Hello and welcome to What Happens in Vegas. I'm your host, Laura Rizzuto, and together with the help of my incredible guests, we will explore all that is possible when we acknowledge our humanness and harness the power of our nervous system, mind, and spirit. I am so excited to share this episode with you, so let's dive straight in, shall we? Well, hey there. I hope you're doing well. I've wanted to riff out on this topic for some time now and I actually recorded a podcast about it before, but it was back when I just wanted to edit the fuck out of everything and I edit it so much that it's just so unusable now. So we're just going to, we're just going to give it another go. I wanted to talk about the term toxic because it's kind of become a buzzword I hear it everywhere. I hear it in psychology. I hear it in uh, the wellness industry. I hear it in coaching. I hear so many people describing so many things as toxic right now. And I'm like, like, like vibrating on the inside. (laughs) And so I'm going to explain to you why. So. Let's get a little experiential here. If I say to you that you're a toxic person, so imagine me pointing my finger at you. I'm like pointing my finger to the screen right now. (laughs) I'm pointing my finger at you and going, You are just so toxic, right? Check in with your body. What happens? What happens when I tell you that you're a toxic person? Now, this might vary, but I'm going to share my experience that when someone points their finger at me and tells me that I'm so toxic in my imagination, <laughs> it triggers my want to defend myself. It's my autonomic nervous system takes over. And it's definitely got like a fight response quality to it where I just want to pop up my chest and be like, "Uh, excuse me, Uh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And give you like the reasons why. Now, if we were to flip it and we were talking about someone else, it's like that person is so toxic, right? If I check in with my body, I instantly want to move away from that person. Even in my mind, it's kind of like my my back rolls, rolls in on itself or like my chest rolls in on itself and I just kind of like, Ugh, get away from me. And that indicates to me that there's a bit of maybe flight response going on there, like, oh, I just want to get away because these are the systems that are in place to protect us and keep us safe from whatever, right? This is just my experience. I'd be interested to hear your experiences of this. But toxic is a judgy, it's a judgy word, it's, it's a judgment because what's toxic for me is going to be different to what's toxic for you, and most likely it's going to be different to the person that you're calling toxic, right, they're going to have a completely different idea. Now, when we use judgment words, it takes us out of the experience because we we're not being objective. Now I know that we can't ever be like objective, objective, right? Because we all have our own lenses and our previous experiences and the ways in which we view the world, right? But if we don't describe, if we're not able to observe what that other person is doing and describe it in a way that makes sense, then Toxic is kind of just putting like a blanket or any judgment, it's just kind of putting a blanket over the top of all the nuance and the, actual, uh, the, the the actuality of what's going on in favor of labeling it a judgment word. A judgment that typically will have a negative or a positive charge or be received in a negative or positive way when we judge, Right. So, I'm going to recap my first point here that toxic is a judgment. And when we use judgy words, they tend to have a negative or positive charge. And they label an experience or a situation that isn't going to accurately describe what's going on from a place of being in the here and now and being able to observe what's happening and communicate it in a way that might actually make a difference to the situation. If you were able to remove the label and accurately describe to someone with your words (laughs) what you don't like about what's going on, like, hey, when you do X behavior, I feel this way. And I would appreciate if This happened instead, right? So the language is not using intimidation. It's not using judgment. It's based in what's happening in the here and now. And it gives the other person an opportunity to reflect on their actions, to come from a place of where they're coming from when they use that behavior and it gives you an opportunity to, to maybe even work something out, right? Because they might turn around and be like, Oh, I didn't realize that what I was doing was affecting you so much. Let's talk about changing things up, right? It might not happen that way, <laughs> but at least you have been able to communicate what you're needing and wanting in that moment. And when you say that something is toxic, then A lot of the time, it's kind of like I'm just going to push that responsibility of adequately communicating what I need or what I want in this moment, putting a label on it and walking away. And sometimes that feels safer because it takes a lot of vulnerability to actually voice what you're needing and wanting to someone. Yeah, and it's a real skill. There are skills involved in effective communication, right? They don't teach us this shit in school, I wish. But there is so much nuance that's lost when we label something as a judgment. Okay, so I'm going to use a personal example in describing my next point here. I, for those of you who know me, I come from a big Italian Sicilian background, uh, (laughs) My family very much communicate in a loud oh, I don't want to use the term aggressive, but definitely like we we're we're pretty explosive hey so my particularly my mum, my brother. If we're in a room together and we don't like something that the other person has said, we will go from zero to a hundred in half a second and it will be on in that we'll be kind of yelling at each other to get our point across. Not something I'm proud of. Okay, we're working on it, but it is the dynamic that has been created over time. My mum is a very explosive person. (laughs) and you learn that shit okay um anywho we're pretty explosive but then we just as quickly kiss and make up so it's not like where it's it's not a problem for us I guess because um it's kind of like shared understanding that that's how things work but then we kiss and make make up and we we're able to talk about it more. Uh, reasonably after the fact. And that works for us at this point in time. My partner who comes from a family who uh, doesn't, doesn't communicate in the same way and are more gentle and quiet and tend to keep to themselves and might even be a bit more like, I don't know, avoidant in terms of conversation or conflict kind of more conflict avoidant. When he came to visit my family for the first time, it was like, what is going on? what what is this? this this is this is not okay in my family like this isn't okay for me. And <clears throat> when you have an outsider coming into your family dynamic it's kind of like, oh, but this is how it is. Like this is, but this is how it is, right? Because this is, your, your family are your first teachers and they're the first people that you experience the world with and who your first caregivers, they are the people that you learn regulation from because you co-regulate with your mother from the very first moment that you're born and even before then in, um, in the womb. If you're, you know, dysregulated crying upset it's through your mother's gaze and their touch that we are soothed back to regulation and if your mother has a style of relating to you in a certain way then that is how you learn how to relate with others as like a, a base. For my partner it was very challenging walking into that environment because that wasn't what he was used to now, he might describe that as toxic, right? It's like, oh, my God, they all just yell at each other. Like, what the fuck is going on? Now, on the flip side, when I go to his house and his family are sitting around and there's not much conversation at all and there's a lot of comfortability in silence and I guess not discussing things that. I know that my family would be discussing I could equally label that as toxic. It's like, wow, no one talks to each other. No one no one shares what's going on. Like but they're comfortable in that. That's how their their frame of the world has been created. Now, it's not saying that one is good or one is bad. It is just a very different experience and therefore our ways of relating and our embodied experience of Uh, resolving conflict or sharing about difficulties is very different and when I stepped into his family environment I was able to be like oh okay that is why that's why it makes sense it makes sense to me that that's the way that's the reason why uh, when I want to have a conversation about something you might have difficulty with that there was a situation there was a time where um, You know, we were having a a heated discussion about something and I started to raise my voice as I do and he said gently to me, Laura, I don't like when you raise your voice like that. Can you please quieten? Can you please lower it so we can continue this conversation? And I stopped in my tracks because I've never had someone tell that to me before. (laughs) Now, this, this... him actually telling me that he didn't like the way that I raised my voice and that it was difficult for him to continue on with this conversation. It, it allowed me an opportunity to alter what I was doing. And so I stopped in my tracks. I took a few deep breaths. I could take in what he said. I lowered the decibels. And then we were able to continue on with the conversation. Now, I've had an experience of, oh, okay, not everyone likes that. I am going to try and be a bit more calm. Right. I learned something and I can move forward with that. How amazing. But if he was to not say anything and then go to his friends and be like, oh, my God, Laura's so toxic, like we had this conversation and she raised her voice at me, then we wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Now I'm going to put a disclaimer in here because I'm not saying that things like domestic violence or abuse is okay. This is not me. Con- uh, this is not me being like, yeah, this is cool because it all makes sense, right? There are behaviors that are not okay. What I'm saying is that if you look at someone's history and past experience and the families within which they were raised and the ways in which conflict was um brought up and managed then there would be clues there and it would make sense that's not to say that it excuses the behavior Mm -mm. no it's not what i'm saying here what i'm saying is that it makes sense and when something makes sense then we don't need to feel like so defensive about things there can be kindness there we can meet someone with kindness or at least understanding, right, a bit of compassion towards their experience. Hey, I don't like this, but it kind of makes sense so I can understand. And that can tend to just take the edge off, right, the tension that you might be experiencing about a situation. Not all the time, but let's play in the nuance here. Now, to recap, the second point here is that Once you understand someone's family dynamic and the lens through which they see the world, given how they've related in the past, what they've grown up in, things start to make sense and it's less about what's toxic and what's not and more about how have you adapted, how has your system adapted over time to survive situations when you were younger and you didn't have a choice because your caregivers are doing the best that they can, right? This is also isn't to blame them. This is no, no blaming anyone, right? But it's like if your caregivers are doing the best that they can, given what they know, given what the ways that they were raised and not knowing any better, right? And that doesn't match up with your temperament with your needs, it's not attuned in a way and your nervous system responds or adapts and is shaped in order to survive and make sense of the world, then it starts to make sense why people respond or react really, react in certain ways. Okay, so back to what I said before that this is not excusing behaviour that is not okay with you. This is an invitation to check in with your relationships, your workplaces, the people around you, around what is not okay with you, what's okay and what's not okay with you. Where do you get a felt sense in your body that something is up, that you're not okay with something? And then you get to choose. You get to choose. Is this something that I feel safe enough or that I want to communicate in a way that describes the situation as I observe it in the here and now to give that other person an opportunity to meet me where I'm at and to be able to work through something do I want to communicate what I need or want do I need to put a boundary up is there something that I've said yes to for ever and now I've decided that this isn't okay with me Do I need to put a boundary up? Do I need to say, hey, like, I don't know, you can only contact me during these times or whatever, right? So do I want to communicate my needs? Do I want to put a boundary up or do I need to walk away? Do I observe what's going on? Can I be compassionate towards that person, that workplace? Be like, hey, that person is so burnt out and they... Um, I don't like the way that they speak to me, the way they ask me to do things. And I've tried to talk to them about it. I've tried to put up a boundary and things still haven't changed. And I respect myself enough to make the decision that this workplace no longer serves me (laughs) and I'm going to walk away. So when we name it for what it is, then the ball, we get to hold the ball. The ball is in our court. And that's incredibly powerful, right? The power is in our hands. We get to choose. So a way that I like to support people to get clear on, you know, what, what's going on is that if someone says to me, oh, this situation is so toxic, right? Like I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So I'm like what, what's happening that is toxic to you? Can you can you describe it to me? Can you explain to me what's happening? That explanation, that's what we work with, yeah. Because they're describing to me what's going on, and I'm able to get a sense of what that person is, uh, I guess, labeling or perceiving to be toxic in their world. But I don't know unless they describe it to me. Same with. The person that you're describing as toxic, right? They're not going to know unless you you spell it out. This is this is the reason. Okay, so I want to speak to a potential, uh, I don't know, concern that people may raise after listening to this, uh, when horrific things happen to beautiful people, and it's like, well, it wasn't their fault. You know, there was nothing that they could do about that situation. Uh, I I hear you. And I guess I want to um, explain that, you know, this is something that we say in therapy for complex trauma where people have come from horrific situations, right? And... You know, one of the first things we say is, um, and this comes from Marshall Linehan, Marshall Linehan, who creates, uh, created dialectical behavior therapy, DBT, is that you are not responsible for what happened to you. You are not responsible for that. That is not your fault. This is not what it's saying. But you do need to take responsibility for your own healing from here forward. You are responsible for creating the life that you want to lead. That is your responsibility, no one else's. And it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but the changes happen when you decide to take back that agency and know that you get to create the life that you want. Not easy, but absolutely manageable doable with the right support sometimes it's reaching out for support I didn't know how to effectively communicate before I started therapy like training in therapy I remember being like oh what 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 is this right it was such a mind-blowing experience because like I said like in my family we just yell at each other and then kiss and make up right It's like, oh, fuck, there's a different way of doing this that's less threatening, that is going to allow us to hopefully keep a foot in ventral vagal, which is the green zone where we feel supported and safe and connected. We can keep a foot in that and be angry, right, and be angry at the same time and own that anger and express it safely so that we're heard and something can happen about it. It's possible. It's possible. And sometimes it's just getting the right support around you to be able to learn it as a new skill and integrate it into your life so that it's accessible for future. Okay, so my last point is there are things that I label toxic, uh, namely systems within which humans find themselves. Systems like the patriarchy, like colonialism, Like racism, like, uh, gender violence. I can't remember what that's called, genderism, I don't know, but you know what I mean, right? Uh, it's when society has created constructs in order to keep us in these little boxes and to assert power, okay? I'm not okay with that. I'll gladly label that as toxic, I don't think it's fair to be quite frank that humans need to take so much responsibility for uh, or feel that they need to take so much responsibility or perceive themselves as broken or defective or wrong. There's something wrong with them because society has labelled them that way or maybe not labelled them so discreetly but continue Mm -hmm. to create an environment where people have no choice but to interpret themselves as broken or wrong or anything like that. I think it's fucking bullshit and it makes me so angry. <laughs> uh, it makes me so angry because it exists. Like, don't tell me it doesn't exist. I'm sorry. It exists. And and this is where the nuance is because it's not one or the other Unfortunately, right now where we are, it's it's both. It's both. Do I believe that women solely need to take responsibility for their healing journey when there are such great numbers of women that are raped or sexually abused, uh, and like in in power in government right now, being a woman? Oh my goodness. that we need to take responsibility all the time for our healing journey? Do I believe that people uh, who are trans need to continuously fight for their existence, that they actually deserve to exist in the world? Do I believe that that's solely their responsibility? No, no. Do I believe that people who are not able-bodied, Uh, have to continually fight for their rights because they're not really as apparent as whether you're in an abled body, that that needs to be fought for. Now, in this day and age, no. Can I deny that whether you're born into a body with a particular skin tone or colouring, that you're going to be treated differently by society, by... The people who uphold the law. Can I say that with confidence? Absolutely not. Do I believe that our First Nations people are responsibility? Um, sorry, are responsible for the traumas that they have suffered at the hands of uh, colonialism over and over and over again? That continues to get reinforced today in the levels of. Uh, First Nations people that we find in custody, that die in custody, that their culture is not respected, that our constitution doesn't accept them, like acknowledge that they exist, and yet they're responsible uh, for the traumas that have been like that have happened to them at the hands of the society that now tells them that they don't exist. My goodness, where do I even begin? And so I want to end this little chat by saying that there needs to be both. There's, there's nuance to this. It's complex that yes, we are need to take responsibility for our own healing journey and at the same time, society needs to do better because we shouldn't have to take so much responsibility, right, that we don't exist as individuals. We, we are born into these systems that do dictate the rules of play a lot of the time subconsciously it might not be something that we're so aware of all the time, but it exists. It absolutely exists. Okay, that's my rant. Uh, look, I wasn't eloquent in discussing all of this. I'm I'm working through the mess as well. Uh, there are a lot of people that speak a lot more eloquently about these topics. This is just kind of, I guess, my, my side of that and my experience working uh, in certain sectors. And I appreciate you listening. I appreciate the bravery and courage it takes to uh, take responsibility for your healing journey. Despite everything that's happened that's completely out of our control, I know it takes a lot of courage and I commend everyone who who does that. And I'm not saying that, Ah, uh, yeah, that it needs to all fall on you because I think we all need to do better as we continue to grow and evolve as humans. So much love everyone have a fabulous week and I will, yeah, I'll join you again another time. <laughs> okay. Take care my loves. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. I so appreciate your time. If what we spoke about in this episode is totally your jam, please subscribe so you don't miss out on the epic conversations that are to come. If you'd like to know more about me or ways we can continue to play, head on over to laurarizzuto.com or you can check me out on my Insta at laurarizzuto underscore. It's also where you can sign up to the wait list for my online mentorship, What Happens in Vegas, where we get to deep dive into learning the language of your nervous system safely to embody the life that you want. Apart from that, I will catch you in the next episode. Much love and speak soon.